Amen. Well, I'm going to take my lesson tonight from the book of Jonah. Father, we just thank you for your spirit that is here. Your presence makes all the difference. And we thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. In the name of Jesus, Lord, for the next few minutes, take your word, use it to equip, edify, and encourage the body of Christ tonight. And for that, we're thankful in Jesus' name. And everybody say amen. Amen. God bless you. We're going to talk tonight about we were made for mission. You can be seated. Now, there's this little book in your Bible called the book of Jonah. And in the book of Jonah, there are four chapters. If you haven't read them, I would encourage you to read them, perhaps maybe when you get home. But we're going to learn from this story on what not to do. I I have gathered this much that there's two ways to learn. One is from mentors and one is from mistakes. And it's better if you can learn from mentors. And then it's better if you can learn from the mistakes of others so you don't have to make them yourself. So we're going to learn what not to do from these four chapters and the life of Jonah. Here we go. First of all, Jonah thought that he could ignore his mission. So he ran from God. Brothers and sisters, if we run from God, we waste our life. Because God put every one of us here to do more than make money, have a career, get the gold watch, retire and die. God put us here to fulfill a mission. And you may not think you're important, but God thinks you're important. He thinks you're so important that he created you and has a purpose for your life. And anytime you think that you can run from God, I'm here to tell you, you can You can run from God, but when you do, you're wasting your life. Can I get a witness? Here's the second thing that we learned from Jonah. Jonah was prejudiced against people that God created. I'm going to keep saying this. To love like Jesus, we got to live like Jesus. God loves people that don't look like you. God loves people that don't vote like you. God even loves people that don't spit white like you. God loves people. Number three, Jonah cared more about politics than he did people's salvation. Any time that we make our nation's politics greater than our allegiance to God, there's a word for that, and it's called idolatry. God didn't save us so we can live out the American dream and vote a certain way. God saved us so that we could fulfill our purpose. And that is to be a witness about the goodness and the glory of God in our life. Here's number four. Jonah was only interested in his nation, not the whole world. God says, I want to save Nineveh. 
And Jonah said, no, I don't want you to save them. Why? Because he was only concerned about his own community, his own nation of Israel. The Ninevites had done Israel wrong. He was prejudiced against them. And so he said, I don't care about Nineveh. I only care about my country. Brothers and sisters, this is why that we give close to $100,000 a year to missions is because I don't want the sun to ever set on TPC. I don't want us just to care about our community. I want us to care locally. I want us to care regionally. And I want us to care globally. Can I get a witness? Because it's just not about us and our race being saved. It's about whomsoever will let them come. So, Jonah, here's the, num- here's the fifth mistake that he made. He reluctantly fulfilled his mission, but he does it with a bad attitude. Jonah walks into Nineveh and he basically goes, you guys are going to die, so bye. It wasn't done out of love. It wasn't done with compassion. It was turn or burn and I hope you burn. And that was really his attitude. Brothers and sisters, that should never be our attitude. So these are the mistakes that Jonah makes. And we learn these mistakes by reading the first four chapters or the four chapters of this book. What we learn as we read these chapters is that Jonah becomes resentful because God doesn't do it his way. Now I'm going to slow down and I'm going to dive into this. So you say, Pastor, how is Jonah's story important to us? Anytime we get resentful, we're going to hurt ourselves more than we hurt the person we resent. And we're going to take these lessons and we're going to apply them to our own life. Because that person you're resenting, they may even be out there right now fixing them a steak, enjoying a good meal, and they're not even thinking about you and you're sitting on a pew stewing over them. Come on, somebody. They're not even thinking about us. So who's the one that's miserable? We are. Why? Because resentment never helps. Resentment only hurts. Some of you, the enemy gets you into church and you can't even listen to the message because you're thinking about how they hurt you, who done you wrong. Where, what are they doing tonight? And you're hoping they're having a horrible time. Brothers and sisters, this was Jonah. Jonah was resentful because God wasn't doing it his way. And what I want to tell all of us is resentment is hurting you more than it's hurting them. And we got to let it go. We've got to let it go. Why? Because the enemy will use resentment as a distraction to get you off of your purpose, off of your mission. And your mission is too important to get distracted by resentment and bitterness. See, resentment is bad against anybody. 
anyone. But the worst resentment is when we bring that resentment against God. And it goes like this. God, why did you let this happen? God, why didn't you do this? And God, why did you not do that? And any time, brothers and sisters, that we get resentment for God, for we had these graduation plans, or we had these marriage plans, or we had these job plans, and it doesn't work out the way we think that it ought to work out. It's easy to get resentment, not only toward people, but against God. I heard a statement the other day. Your level of joy is the level of your unmet expectations. I'm going to say that again. Your level of joy is the same level of your unmet expectations. In other words, if you was expecting God to do this and He didn't do it, little joy. If you was expecting life to turn out this way and it didn't, little joy. Because your joy is tied to your level of expectations. Come on, somebody. And why was Jonah resentful? Because he wanted his enemies to be destroyed. And God tells him, I'm going to forgive them. And Jonah says, no, I want you to crush them. I want you to destroy them. And read the four chapters. Jonah blows a gasket. He gets really upset and he gets resentful against God. Now, here's the question I want to ask all of us. How are we tonight, if we get honest, resentful against God? You just have to be honest and ask yourself that question. Is there anything that I am truly, if I got honest, would say, I'm really resenting God? Why did he let this happen? Why did it happen like this? Why did this happen in my life? Why didn't this happen? Why didn't this work out the way I had planned it to? Here's the number one thing that we can know when we are having resentment against God. You say, Pastor, I don't know if I resent God. How can I tell? Here's the number one thing. Frustration. When God says, I'm going to forgive the whole city, everybody is rejoicing except one guy, and that is Jonah. Jonah is not rejoicing, but everybody else is. Why? Because he is the guy who doesn't want them saved. He wants them to be destroyed. And he's frustrated because God is not doing it his way. Here's the question. Are you ready? Is there anything we're resenting about God? Because if there... If there is, then that's what your joy is tied to. You say, I don't have a lot of joy. Then then you might want to think about your resentment against God. Something to think about. After there was resentment because he didn't get his way, here's the next thing we see in these four chapters. He literally got angry. The, the, if you read the literal translation, it means that Jonah blew a gasket, that he, ma- he had a major temper tantrum. He got angry. It says he became furious. 
What did that lead to? It led to self-pity. Now look at Jonah 4 and 3. These are all different translations because it says it the way I think it can best communicate to us. So Jonah complained to the Lord and he goes, I ask you, Lord, please kill me. For it is better for me to die than to live. Now this right here is extreme resentment. But it is also severe depression and even suicidal. Now, I want you to go back to chapter one in your mind and think about all the things that God had done for Jonah. Here they are. He, he survives a storm at sea. He survives being thrown overboard. He survives being swallowed by a giant fish. All of these things have happened to spare his life. And all he can do now in chapter four is say, I want to die. Why? Because God is not doing it like he wants him to do it. So his frustration leads to resentment. His resentment leads to anger. His anger leads to self-pity. And his self-pity leads to depression and even, you could say, suicidal. Because he's saying right here, hey, I just want to die. Here's what I've learned about depression. Depression is sometimes frozen anger. Uh, depression is many times angry because you're not in control. You can't change the situation. You can't control that person. You can't make them change. You feel stuck. You feel helpless. You're swallowing your anger and that leads to self-pity. Oh, woe is me. I can't believe this is happening to me. I can't believe they left me. I can't believe they lied on me. I can't believe they don't like me. It leads to self-pity. Self-pity leads to depression. And if you stay in it long enough, it can actually lead to suicidal tendencies. Depression is sometimes known as frozen anger when you feel helpless and you're not in control. When we swallow our emotions, brothers and sisters, our stomach keeps score. Here's the old saying. It's not so much what you eat, but what's eating on you. Because when we swallow this stuff, when we swallow resentment and we swallow anger and we swallow this, our stomach keeps score. Our body keeps score. I may be wrong. I don't think I am. But I've seen people literally, their bodies shrivel up because of bitterness. And what really is a spiritual problem becomes a physical problem. I think I've got Bible for it. Really do. A broken heart drieth up the bone. When our expectations are not met and people don't meet our expectations and we look at our life and we say, my God, I've wasted 40 years, 50 years. What's the use? Well, the enemy wants you to think that. But listen, what God wants you to think is he wants to redeem that which you feel is lost. And he wants to take your test and use it as a testimony. And I know it's a cliche, but he wants to take your mess and use it as your message. There is nobody that can help an alcoholic like an ex-alcoholic. And so instead of getting down on yourself and saying, oh my God, I can't believe I've messed my life up. Take what is left and use it for the glory of God. Can I get a witness? 
So why did Jonah get to this place? He just wanted to die. Why was that? I'll tell you, because hate had filled his heart. Hate had filled his heart. And Jonah was so ticked at God because things were not going the way he wanted them to go. Does that make sense? And when that happens and you swallow all this stuff, see, again, this is why everybody in this room, you need some people around you. I, when, when I talk on the phone, I, I, I walk a lot. And today, a, a preacher friend of mine called me. He's going through a very difficult situation. And I started walking around the, I walk and hear a lot when I'm on the phone. And I told this uh, pastor, I said, I'm, I'm going to just tell you something. I love you. But in your drive, because he's at, anyway, he's driving today. I said, in your drive, what you need to do is you need to open your mouth and you, you need to tell God how you feel. Because if you don't, you're going to swallow all that mess and it's going to make you sick. And he says, you got to understand, we're very good friends. He says, you got to understand, Wayne, there's not a lot of people I can trust. He said, that's why I'm calling you. I said, I know. And that's why you need to tell me, but you also need to tell your heavenly father. Because if you don't, if you stuff what you're going through right now, it's going to destroy you. It will destroy you. Are y'all with me? I'm going to just tell you something. If you're saved, you're going to be saved on purpose. You got to be intentional about being saved. You can be lost by accident by looking at people, but if you're going to be saved, you're going to be saved on purpose because you make up in your mind. I didn't get in this to get out. And you know, and I, I, I didn't, because if you're not careful, people can cause you to be lost because they don't grow hypocrites at the bank. They grow hypocrites in the church. Come on now. They don't grow them at the Brookshire's. They grow them in church. And that's why you got to keep your eyes off of people. Because people will cause you to be lost because they'll say one thing and do another. Yo, I'm telling you something. I don't want to tell you this, but I'm going to tell you what I've been told. I've been told by many people, I've had the world treat me better than some Christians. I don't want that said of this church. That should never be said of any of us. It's loving God and it's loving people. And even the people you don't like, God still likes them. Even people you, you, would, you, know, you want to call fire down from heaven. And God still loves them. Can I get a witness? Okay, so what I'm saying to you is don't swallow all that mess. This is why I'm going to go back to my thought. You need someone in your life that you can trust, that you can vent to. Oh, well, it's really nothing. Yes, it is something. You've been stewing on that for three months. It is something. Get honest and own it. Say, this hurt me deeply. Jonah resented God. For showing goodness and mercy. And here's the application. When God is good to people, I don't want him to be good to. Then I get upset. I don't understand. I pay my tithes and I know they don't pay their tithes. And look, they're still being blessed. You know what? The goodness. See, see, this is what you got to understand about God. The goodness of God leads people to repentance. Now, if they continue to go against God's word, they're going to be judged. But just because somebody's being blessed don't mean that God's happy with them. It may only mean he's showing them goodness to try to get them back to where they need to be. Can I get a witness in this house? Look look at Jonah 4 and 2. Then Jonah complained. Now he's talking to God. Didn't I say... 
before I left home that I knew you would do this, Lord? Check this out, y'all. Here's four things. This is powerful that Jonah knows about God. It's in your Bible. He says, I know you're gracious and compassionate. I knew this back in Israel when you wanted me to leave to come to Nineveh. I already knew you were gracious and compassionate. He said, I knew you were patient. He said, I knew your love is unlimited. Then he goes on to say the last thing. I knew that you would rather forgive people than punish them. Now, think about how warped this is. These are all four amazing things about God, but it depresses Jonah. Now, that's warped. And you say, why? Because Jonah had a problem that we have. We want forgiveness for ourselves. We just want justice for everybody else. That is the literal application of the book of Jonah. We want forgiveness for ourselves, but we want justice for everybody else. Because you don't have a problem with smoking. You think I ought to get up here every week and preach against smoking. Because that ain't your deal. Alcohol ain't your deal, so I ought to be up here talking about you shouldn't be drinking. But what about food? You can kill yourself with food. 27 times it says in the Bible, don't gluttony. It don't say 27 times about some other things. But because it's not your deal, God get them. How hard is it for all of us to change our iniquities and things that we inherited from our parents? I'm going to tell you, it's very hard. In fact, we can't do it without the power of the Holy Spirit. That's why we all need the Holy Spirit in our life. Because you can't change your spots. You cannot change your DNA that you got inherited from your grandfather to your father to you. The only way it can be changed is to get the spiritual DNA of the blood of Jesus, your heavenly father, and let it begin to change you through the renewing of your mind, Romans 12 and 2. You know, after I reflect on messages, I think, Wayne, you you need to calm down. You're too intense. You seem like you're mad. I'm not mad. I just want all of us to get this because I want us to live the overcoming life. Is that all right? Okay. So I I read this story. I'll pass it on to you. One day a a guy was walking and he met the famous uh, uh, preacher, John Wesley. Many of you have heard John Wesley. And uh, he said, uh, he said, I I can, I can never forgive that guy. He said, I can never, ever, ever forgive that guy. John Wesley said, well, then I hope you never sin. Man looked at him. He said, why? He said, because you don't want to burn the bridge that you have to walk across to get to heaven. You say, what did John Wesley mean by that? Well, here's what John Wesley meant by that because he read what Jesus said in Matthew 16 and 14, or 6 and 14. Here it is. Hope it comes up on the screen. If you forgive others the wrong they've done to you, your Father in heaven will also forgive you. Caveat, but... If you do not forgive others, then your father will not forgive the wrongs you have done. See, this is another reason why I know man didn't write this. Because man would have never written this. This was written by the Holy Spirit. 
See, because why? Because when we refuse to forgive, we're burning the bridge that we got to walk across to get to heaven. Because Jesus says, if you don't forgive others, then guess what? I can't forgive you. And if you can't be forgiven, then here's the next guess what? You don't walk the bridge into heaven. Forgiveness is never earned. Forgiveness is a gift. That's why right in the middle is the word give. Of forgiveness. You've got to give something away. Is it easy? No, but it's God's way. God says when you forgive them, it is a gift. And guess what it does? It frees you. You're the one that is free now. Do I forgive them because they deserve it or earn it? No, we forgive them because we're going to need more forgiveness in the future. We're probably not perfected and we probably haven't arrived to where we've never sinned and never need forgiveness. So the thing is, if you don't forgive, then neither will your heavenly father forgive us. Look at Jonah now, chapter four and verse three. This is the living Bible translation. Jonah goes on and he says, all right, I'd rather be dead than alive. Then nothing I've told them has happened. Let's read that again. I'd rather be dead than alive when nothing that I have told them has happened. I see the puzzled look on your face. I'm going to answer your question. What's he talking about here? Here's what he's talking about. His reputation. He's more worried about how he looks and people's salvation. Hmm. He said, now here, God, this is fixing to upset me, God. I've been preaching, repent, repent, repent. And then if you don't rain down on these people, then it's going to make me look like. I didn't know what I was talking about. And I don't appreciate that. I'm going to just say it. Anytime you can't go out with a sinner because you're more worried about your reputation than investing in somebody's eternity. You need to take that to the cross. Now, I'm not going to go hang out at the local whatever pub this is. I don't even know the name of it. I ain't going to go hang out in there. Okay. But at the same time, I'm not going to be afraid if y'all see me with somebody that y'all know ain't living the life. Because trust me, what I'm trying to do is win them to Christ. I'm not, I'm, I'm, don't think I'm going to let their, you know, their ways rub off on me. I want my ways to rub off on them. And here's where Jonah is. Here's Warped thinking. He'd rather see an entire nation destroyed than him to look bad. You mean you'd rather protect your reputation so much than to have lunch with somebody that don't look like you, act like you. So guess what? God has to teach him some lessons. Number one, here's the lesson that God started teaching Jonah. When things don't go our way, remember, God can see things we can't. I'm going to say that again. You ready? When things don't go our way, remember, God can see things we can't. Anytime, brothers and sisters, we doubt God's wisdom, we're going to get in trouble. Why? Because He's God and we're not. Now, I'm not going to take a big detour because I could, but I'm not. But I want you to remember a book called Job. There was a man in the Bible called Job, J-O-B. Okay, And here's what he said in Job 38 and 2. Here's what God said to Job. After all, after 38 chapters of just yeah, 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 yeah. God finally spoke up. Here's what he said. Who are you to question my wisdom? 
And where were you when I made the worlds? In other words, do you think, Job, that your plan is better than mine? In other words, God went on to say, do I need your advice, Job, to change my plans? Job, do I need to consult with you? Do I need to consult with you to figure out what is better for you than what I already know is the best for you? See, this is why it's so funny to run from God's plans because God already knows what's going to make you happier than what you think is going to make you happier. Why? Because he knows you. He already knows what's going to make you happy. I thought I was going to be happy being an airline pilot. God said, no, you're going to be happy being a preacher. I said, I don't want to be a preacher. But now guess what? I'm a preacher, I'm a pastor, and I love it, and I never want to be a pilot like to earn my living. To do it for a hobby, yeah, it's fun. I love it, but not for a living. This is what God has called me to do, and I wouldn't want to do anything else. When you surrender to God's mission for your life, it's going to bring you happiness. The reason why you're miserable is because you're running from God. Mm, man, I can. Ooh. So here's number one. Remember, God can see things you can't see. It's one of the many lessons that God had to teach Jonah in four chapters. Look at verse five. It says this. Then Jonah left the city of Nineveh and he found a place east of the city to sit down. And there he tried to make a temporary shelter to sit under as he waited to see what was going to happen to the city. Here he is. He goes under there, makes him a little little shelter, and he's just sitting there. He's waiting on God to destroy these people. Now, if you read history, it says that Nineveh was one of the largest cities in the world at the known time, at 120,000 people. So he's sitting there waiting to be entertained by God. I want to see what you're going to do, God. I want you to destroy these people. They've done Israel wrong. I don't like them. I don't like their politics. I don't like the people. I don't like who they are. So let's see what you're going to do. Here's the problem, though. If you read these four chapters, this last chapter, chapter four, the problem is, is that it's a hot, dusty day and Jonah doesn't have an umbrella. So he's getting hot. It's in there. Look at verse six. Then God arranged for a broad leaf to plant, a broad leaf plant to spring up quickly and provide shade for Jonah from the hot sun and to relieve his discomfort. This made Jonah very happy and comfortable. Now check this out. Jonah is being a jerk. That's almost what I called this message. Jonah is a jerk. But I didn't. I called it instead you were made for a mission. (laughs) But how many of us know we can be jerks at times? The rest of you that didn't raise your hand, you know better. We all can be jerks at times. And Jonah is a jerk. But guess what God is doing? Even though Jonah is being a jerk and he wants to see this whole city destroyed. You know what God's doing? God's trying to make him comfortable. Think about it. In other words, God loves us even when we're unlovable. We just want him to smite those that we don't love. We want him to be patient with us and our folly. We just don't want him to be patient with others and theirs. Can I get a witness in this house? See? God wants Jonah to realize, son, I made you for a mission. 
Your mission was to go to Nineveh and to preach. And I've been thinking, my God, who wouldn't want to go to Nineveh and preach a message of repentance and have 120,000 soul revival? But I can tell you something. We can get some warped, messed up stuff in our brain to where we don't think God knows best. Are y'all with me? Okay. So now let's keep going. I'm about done. God uses this object lesson now of a plant to teach Jonah a, a lesson. Look at verse seven and eight. It's going to come up on the screen. God arranged for a small worm to chew through the stem of that large shade plant so that it would wither and die. Then when the sun arose, God arranged the scorching east wind and the sun blazed so hot on Jonah's head that he grew faint and wanted to die. And he said again, it'd be better for me to die than to live. Now, it's very important. I want you to get this. Here's all the stuff that God arranged in Jonah's life. Listen to this. Check this out. In chapter one, God arranged a great wind to create a storm. Then in verse 7, God arranged the dice, casting lots, to reveal that Jonah was the problem. Then God arranged a great fish to transport Jonah back to where he was supposed to be. Then God arranged a fast-growing plant to provide shade. Then God arranged a worm to eat the plant for breakfast. And here's the lesson. It's all been arranged. Everything from the great wind to the little worm, seven times in your Bible, it says, and God arranged. God arranged it. He arranges the big circumstances to swallow us up when we're headed in the wrong direction and then spit us out to head us in the right direction. And at other times, God arranges something brand new that comes up suddenly in our life to give us comfort, even when we're not where we ought to be. And love us even when we're acting like jerks. And we want God to be so patient with us. And we've got uh, just a couple of minutes to be patient with others. Can I keep preaching? And then sometimes God arranges something small like a little worm to eat away at what's been giving us comfort. Because he doesn't want us to stay where we are. And in every situation, God's motive is love. He's not out to punish us. So God uses both small and great things to direct us. And there's a song and we sing it. It's called Waymaker. And I like the song because it says, even when I don't see him, he's working. I've got enough payment now in my life. I can look back, Carlton, and I can look back and see. Okay. Now understand, this was setting me up for that. And this was a subtraction from my life so it could be a multiplication over here. And this was seeing if I could be faithful in the small things so then God could add more to me. And you got to understand God was arranging it all. Why? Because see, God doesn't have plan B for your life. I don't have plan B for you, Jonah. I got plan A, son. And plan A is for you to go to Nineveh and to preach a message of repentance and for this whole community to be saved. 
And Jonah got ticked off about it. Man, I wish I could have a one-on-one with all of you. And I wish that there was no way you couldn't be anything but honest. And I'd ask all of us in this room, what are you resentful about to God? What are you bitter over? What do you just hate that God has allowed to happen in your life? Here's what we do, myself included. We fret and we worry and we stew and we get up all upset over circumstances that aren't going to last this week, much less next month or next year or 10 years from now. I want you to look at verse 10 and 11 as I wind this up. It says, Then the Lord said to Jonah, You're more concerned about a plant that died, even though you didn't plant it and you didn't water it, and you didn't make it grow. Check this out, y'all. Please, y'all got to get this. This is, this is God speaking. But Nineveh, that city over there, that one that you wanted to destroy has more than 120,000 people who don't know their right hand from their left hand. So real quick, I can't get into this, but scholars think that means one or two things. Scholars think that either means children that don't know, that still are not the age of accountability, and there's 120,000 kids in that city. That's one way. Or they think it may mean that because they just didn't have a knowledge of the law, that they didn't even know what was morally right or wrong. So I'll let you decide what you think. But here's what God is saying. Jonah, you care more about your own comfort, son, than the salvation of a city full of people who are spiritually dying. I, th- I think um, I think I may be doing the fruit of the spirit of joy. I think think we talked about that the other day and here's why I'm bringing that up because here's here's what I'm going to mention this in that message but I'm going to say it now a lot of times the reason why people aren't joyful is because they're so inward focused I mean All he can think about is his self. And here's 120,000 people that are ready to repent. And all he can think about is his own reputation, his own self. And how God is not doing it his way. And here's what I want to say to you. Your joy is going to be very minuscule when your whole focus is on self. Because God never designed you to live this for self. He designed you to serve others. See, there's only two things, brothers and sisters, that's going to last forever. And that's God and people. So our whole mission is love God, love people. And we'll get all so caught up in the U.S. economy and what inflation and all this. And, and there's a very real things, very real, not distracting, not taking away, very real. But we get so caught up in what it's not going to even matter five years from now, much less for eternity. And I told that pastor that I walked around here today and I said, listen, you got to remember something. You better start looking at the long game. Because if you look at the short game, everything right now is going to make you resentful and bitter and angry. 
you better ask yourself the question. In 10 years from now, if the Lord tarries, am I making decisions that's going to help my kids? Am I making a decision that's going to help me get into heaven? Because right now, everything inside of you, sir, wants to spew hate and resentment and bitterness back to the people who's done you wrong. And he's been legitimately done wrong. And now it is, why would God allow this to happen when all I've ever done is serve him? It's a real deal. It really is a real deal. And it's four chapters that deals with this in Jonah's life. God is saying, get concerned about stuff that really matters rather than simply your own personal comfort. Would you stand with me? You've been great. Would you bow your head? Lord, I really don't want to be honest tonight, but if I get honest, if I get honest, I sure hadn't liked some of the things you've done. If I get honest, I've had resentment and anger towards you, toward people. Father, I'm just asking you, the Lord, to take this word. I know we don't change overnight, but take it in begin to bring change to our life. I know this, Lord. I know I don't want to waste my life. And I've asked you, and I've asked you, and I've asked you, and I'll keep asking you, would you redeem the next 10 or 15 years of mine and Janet's life so all the hurt and the pain is not wasted? God, would you help someone in this room tonight, someone who's listening online, would you help all of us to commit the rest of our life to discovering and fulfilling the mission you made us for? Lord, would you help all of us to let go of resentment, anger, self-pity, Help us to love people over politics. Help us to love people who are different than us. Help us to love the whole world and not just our rural community. Help us, God, to fulfill your mission for our life and not run from it. I thank you for your word. Help us to live it out. In Jesus' name. I've asked him to sing that song. Even when I don't see it, you're working. I want him to sing it now. And all over this house, I want you to just to lift up your hands and I want you to have a relationship and a, I want you to have a prayer with the Lord right now. Oh,
Don't! 
Because he did it, I can do it too. Because he did it, I can do it too. Because he did it, I can do it too. Because he did it, I can do it too. Because he did it, I can do it too. Because he did it, I can do it too. Because he did it, I can do it too. Because he did it, I can do it too. Because he did